going. I got two iPhones, one 5 and one 5S. Come on, come on. I'm not sure. Full time. Uh, hope you guys had a really good Thanksgiving and uh, that you feel full and, you know, uh, excited and thankful. Most of all, maybe. You know, this uh, Thanksgiving is usually a season of Thanksgiving, right? And uh, I'm not American. I've revealed, I'm going to reveal my nationality later, okay? Um, but it seems like it's a definite season of football. Yes. Right, and I know it was a big game between a team that was uh, blue, they had blue and white, I think, yeah. and uh, the other team had different yeah. colors. Yeah. And we all know that Chelsea beat Tottenham two one. Um, so that was a great, great game. They actually did beat Tottenham, but that was England, you know. So it all depends what culture lens you're looking through, what game it is. But uh, but you know that uh, you know in different cultures. You know, people appreciate or focus on different things. In the States, when you say football, you think American football. I'm from Norway, if you think football, you think soccer. Okay, so in my cultural lens, when I think football, I think soccer. I don't think of soccer as soccer. I think of football as football. That's a little confusing, but I think of football as football, you know. And um, so Chelsea did beat Tottenham 2-1. I know here the Cowboys beat the Redskins. Yeah. There we go. But the truth of the matter is, okay, whatever culture you're in, you're going to focus on something. You're going to put your mind into something. And in the States, a lot of people put their minds, their thoughts, their engine into football. In Europe, football, soccer. Well, whether it's sports or if it's something completely different, uh, we all focus on something. That's why we're, we're, why we're designed. I don't, if you walk, you know, through Hampton Roads or beyond Hampton Roads and, and just have conversations with people. You said people have an interest in something. They focus on something. They put their heart into something. And I'll go as far as that people worship something. Yeah. Okay. And in the States, of course, you know, Christianity still has a strong uh, foundation. And a lot of people, you know, worship God, of course, and we worship God. Amen. It's awesome. Uh, but a lot of people don't worship God. They worship completely other things. It could be their career. It could be their spouse, yeah. it could be their kids, it could be themselves. I heard that we live in the most narcissistic society ever, yeah. which is all about you. That's why we have a page all about you. Yeah. We have several pages all about you and me, you know, all these different social media accounts. But, you know, yeah. people yeah. worship something. And today we're going to read something in Colossians. That's the book you've been going through. Uh, if you haven't been there, we're going to continue in that book. And uh, we're going to learn from Paul what we need to focus on today. And this was written 2,000 years ago, roughly, and it still has value, still has application for us today. So you can return to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to pick up exactly where we left us from last year, last Sunday. Maybe it feels like a year for some of you. I was in Lebanon, Virginia last Sunday. I didn't know it just existed. But it does. Okay, Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to say a quick prayer before we read the passage for today. Uh, Dearly Father, thank you so much uh, that uh, we can come together, whether it's in uh, school or it's outside uh, or it's warm or cold, God, we can come together, we can worship you, we can praise you, we can gather in your name, uh, we can sing songs to you, God, we can, uh, for at least, you know, 30 minutes or an hour, we can shut our eyes and our ears and our minds to the world around us with the pressure, God, and to really try and focus on you. 
and your word, Father, what your word wants to teach us, God. I do pray that you open all of our hearts today to your word, God, to the Holy Spirit that orchestrated it, God, that designed it, God, that, uh, that is the true author, Father, of your word, Father. Uh, please, please help us, God, to leave here with a deeper appreciation uh, of your son, Jesus, a deeper appreciation for the hope that awaits us, and a deeper appreciation for the grace, God, that you're lavish on all people. Thank you so much, brothers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. And it reads, therefore, I'm going to stop right there, because therefore connects this passage to all the things that Paul has already talked about. So if you kind of, if you don't really know what he talked about, then you're missing some of the purpose why we should do these things that he's saying. So you don't have to turn. I'm just going to go through some things he said in this letter. In chapter 1, verse 6, he said that they truly understood God's grace. I mean, God's grace is amazing. It is wonderful. And they truly understood God's grace. Like, I want to truly understand God's grace. In verse 26, chapter 1, it says they're no longer alienated from God. So either you're with God or you're alienated from God. They're no longer alienated from God. In chapter... One again, verse 26, 27, it says, The greatest mystery of all time had not been disclosed. I think sometimes we read it without just, oh, the greatest mystery. The greatest mystery of all time Amen. has not been disclosed. That's right. And what is it? <laughs> it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. That is the greatest mystery of all time, that the Messiah was revealed. Not this Roman conqueror who's going to defeat the Roman. No, no. A suffering servant is going to dwell inside you. Amen. Come on. Chapter 2, Paul's up. Uh, chapter 2, Paul goes on. When he hoped that he's praying for them, is that they will have the understanding of the mystery of God, which is the name of Jesus. He doesn't only say understanding. He says complete understanding. But he doesn't only say the complete understanding. He says the richest of complete understanding. That's not it. He said, the full riches of complete understanding of this mystery. It says, they receive Christ Jesus Lord. In Him we've been brought to fullness. Before we were incomplete without Jesus in our lives. And it says in chapter 2 verse 13 that they're no longer dead to sins but alive in Christ. And I don't know if you like movies. I do. Okay, one of the movies that probably uh, you have seen is The Matrix. I love that movie. Yeah. I really like to go into movies. I call it fresh. That means I've never seen a trailer. <laughs> I've read anything about it. And that was the way it was The Matrix. That was fresh. I just went in and saw it. But I think it's so cool. There's so many spiritual knowledge in The Matrix. And people kind of walk around not knowing that they're in The Matrix. Yeah. They're not actually in the reality. In this computer, I don't know how to get all the details. But that's kind of the same idea. When we were alienated from Christ, we walked and think, okay, life is great. But you're, you're, you're not with God. Like, that's super, super scary. And he's reminding them, you were alienated from God, but not any longer. You're with God. And that's what Paul is saying, therefore, because of all these amazing things. He says in verse uh, 16, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you for what you eat or drink, or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration or Sabbath day, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. 
The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body is supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God calls it to grow. Since you die with Christ to the elemental spiritual force of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to his rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which all have to do, excuse me, these rules which, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Let's stop right there. So, maybe when you first read this, uh, you think maybe, maybe like, what is this all about? Because because of our cultural and historical distance, it's a little bit difficult to read this unless you do a little bit of background work, okay? So I'm not going to go into all the details because no scholars, no biblical scholar really knows exactly what Paul referred to. All we know is what Paul wrote here. There's no other extra biblical sources or anything in the, in the book itself that can give us conclusive evidence what this is referring to. But um, based on uh, what Paul wrote, you know, the history of the time, we can definitely have uh, some things that would give us some clues. So, throughout this letter, there are false teaching, and there are unnamed parties that Paul mentions. Okay, and different scholars maybe think different things. They think maybe it was uh, some argument for pagan philosophy. So, basically, basically, Greek influences that had infiltrated the church. Some people think it was Jewish legalism. So, Jews that took the Old Testament rules and regulations to the extreme, and they held to this. We had to you know, by the book, both of these teachings. Some thought maybe it was Jewish mysticism, which uh, is something a little bit different. Most scholars think it's what they call syncretism, which is a combination of Jewish legalism and pagan philosophy kind of combined together. Um, that the high kind of infiltrated the church. And uh, Paul is critiquing these false teachers. He's saying, okay, don't follow his teaching. He goes on by starting in verse... 16 to say that don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. You know, back then they sacrificed their, some of the meals to different pagan temples and idols. Uh, you can read more about this in Romans chapter 14. And basically, what he concludes is saying that do not curl over things that are disputable matters. So it's not really that important. Just like if, some, if one person believes this about Christmas or one person believes this about Black Friday, it's okay, you know. <laughs> it's not that big, you know. Don't dispute on it. Okay? And he says in, in the same verse, uh, verse 17, that these are shadow things to come. The reality is found in Christ. And that's the, one of the main points of the book of Colossians that it's all about Jesus. We're past the Old Covenant, we're past the Old Testament. Everything points to Jesus. As one commenter says in the commentary, so there's a cosmic significance of Jesus. The cosmic significance of Jesus. He goes on to talk about the people that delight in false humility and the worship of angels. Don't let them disqualify you. Again, we're not really sure uh, what he means. That they, you know, some of the theories are that it points to 
ascetic practices and claims of visionary experiences. Asceticism is very, like this harsh treatment of the body that the material world is evil. And Paul says that these people have lost connection with the head, which is Jesus. They've lost connection with grace, with, with truth that came with Jesus. And they go back to Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And from the book of Colossians as well, we do see that they have a, uh, the false teachers have a defective view of Jesus. That he's not the full deity that he really is. And we've gone over this before, so this is a little repetitive, I know. Uh, Paul talks about in chapter 1, that in Christ, the full deity dwells. Like, he is God. He's everything. We don't need anything else. He's complete. He's all we need for salvation. Yeah. Then he goes on in chapter, still chapter 2, verse 20. And he talks about that we've died to Christ, the elementary spiritual force of this world. Why, as though you still belong to her, do you submit to his rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. And this, again, is Paul is critiquing these false things. This is most likely dealing with legalism, like I referred to. Uh, and uh, in the Old Testament, had strict dietary laws. We don't have that anymore. We can eat whatever we want to eat. Um, well, it may have consequences if you really want to eat. But you're not going to be spiritually unclean, depending on what you eat. You may have other issues, <laughs> uh, but not spiritually, necessarily. And uh, Paul is just basically saying that, it, you know, it's not more spiritual to hold to these laws. It may be that these Jewish Christians thought that, well, they're actually extra spiritual because I have Jesus and I also have these things and I'm going to hold to this as well. And Paul said, no, 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 no. That's legalism. You don't have to have that mindset anymore. Do not hold. Do not taste. Do not touch. And he goes on to saying that these things are based on human commands and teachings. And they do not restrain sensual indulgence. So when he says, this is human commands and teachings. It's not the gospel truth. And in Mark chapter 7, Jesus, when he's talking to the Pharisees, when they're coming to Jesus and saying, why don't you wash your hands before you eat? Because it's ceremonial washing. And Jesus tells them to the Pharisees, the teacher of the law, which was the religious elite of the Sabbath on that day, he says, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied to you, prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, the teaching are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human tradition. So Jesus is very explicitly stating, do not hold to human tradition. And these are human traditions. That's what Paul is saying. The human traditions, human commands and teachings to not do this, to not that when it comes to dietary laws and restrictions. Are you guys following? Yeah. Okay, great. So the other thing he says is that, you know, it seems like you know, it has the appearance of being very spiritual. But Paul says it doesn't because what it does not do is that it does not it, it lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. And we know that when you think about, when you read through the Bible, and you see how the effect that grace has, the effect that repentance has, it should have an effect on our lifestyle. And I think of sensual indulgence, you know, in, in some uh, translation has um, fleshly indulgence, uh, but this idea that, you know, you're just indulging, 
And if you take a, just a snapshot of our society, it is extremely sad. When you see how sensual indulgence is destroying families, teenagers. We look at the statistics, I know we, the first time we, I think, I think it was during Colossians. Ed was up here and he, he gave, if you remember, he gave a, a, a lot of research from Barna about pornography, for example. Yeah. And then on research, this is extremely widespread. And then on research that it actually, the, 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 the pictures imprints on the brain, it doesn't go away. Yeah. And it's almost, it becomes addictive. That's and right. this has just become a business. And the true gospel, when you understand grace, it's not that, okay, your mindset is not, okay, I can't do this, and I can't do that, which a lot of people think about Christianity, by the way. But it's, why would I do that? When I truly understand Jesus, when I truly understand what life is all about, when I truly understand true love in a marriage, when I understand pure purity, like, why would I go there? No, 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 like, why? Like, I'm going to be with Jesus. Like, it, you're being compelled to live differently. So, of all these things, you know, that, that Paul is kind of talking about, uh, you can even think about this idea that a lot of times, maybe you've been there, I've certainly been there in my life. The times where I feel, or I just want to stop with this thing. Whether it's a bad habit or a chronic sin, and it's very, um, it can be very challenging and, and, and just, if you, if you tell yourself, I need to stop doing this. But the more you think that you want to stop doing it, the more you want to do it. Yeah. Like, that's not the way. And Paul is saying the way is Jesus. The yeah. way is connecting to Jesus. Right. Again, the understanding, the grace. Right. And all these things that I kind of went through, you know, this background. The, when, when Paul talks about the purpose of the law, in a different book in the Bible, Galatians, which is kind of connected with this book, okay, a lot. Because the church in Galatia went through some of the same issues. We have Jesus now, but we have a Jewish background. Should I stay with the Old Testament? Do I need to do these things? And Paul says, all these things that we learned as Jews, the only thing, the only purpose that they're pointing us to Jesus. Because these things could not fulfill us. They could not redeem us. We had to do them again and again and again. One time with Jesus is enough. And I don't have time to go to Galatians, but that book explains a lot of this. But the purpose is Jesus, okay? And some scholars... If I had to wrap it up, okay, on this point. Some scholars say that verse 18 is one of the most difficult verses in all of the Bible, New Testament, okay? Uh, some scholars, because we don't really know what they mean. And even Peter himself, if you remember in 2 Peter, Peter was an apostle. He spoke Greek. He lived with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He saw Jesus. He was taught by Jesus. He asked Jesus questions. He was with Paul. And he said, some of the things that Paul writes about is difficult to understand. That's what Peter said. We removed, you know, decades, centuries from that. A different culture concept. We have a different language. And of course it's a little difficult for us. But, like my wife said, I shared this kind of like, it's easy. Just stay connected to Jesus. And that's kind of the point, okay? Just stay connected to Jesus, okay? Even though there's a lot of, you know, Old Testament background. Just stay connected to Jesus. And that's my first point. Stay connected to the head. So, you know, we're created as social beings. Some more than others. We have some rough people out there, like Thomas, where he can survive in the woods, in the wilderness, by himself for, you know, how long? A month? Two, <laughs> two days. Uh, I like to pick on Thomas, you know, I don't have anything in my notes, but I gotta get it in there. Um, but we were social beings, and they've done research, 
And you can do this, you can pick a mother or son, you know, he's back there. Like when you pick up a little child, they just love to be held. He loves to be held. Maybe he's full. They see their first child get all the, not the whoopings, but you know, they get the rough, you know, discipline, and then the second child, you know, get all get spoiled. So anyways, but you know, if you look at a little baby, okay, they just love to be held. And then once you look at them, and he's just smiling, and he loves to put him down, and he just starts crying. Not all the time, but you know, some, sometimes. Um, but it's the idea of connection. We need connection. Humans need connection. Even done research that we have what's called mirror neurons. When I learned this, I was very fascinated in our brains. We're born with them. Okay, we're born with what's called mirror neurons. And it's very important to stimulate these neurons early on because that's how you develop empathy. You're also born with empathy. But if they're not stimulated, then you don't really, you know, but empathy can still grow. But we're social beings. Yeah. We need to be connected with something. And we want to be connected with Jesus. And uh, I thought about, you know, my relation with God, I feel like sometimes like, there's, a, there's a, a parallel to my marriage. And I want to be connected to my wife. I know sometimes life happens and you don't feel that connected. And uh, there may be small things in your marriage. I don't know, maybe if you know, spouse put his socks somewhere, you know, that's not where they should be, you know. Uh, or he tends to put his socks everywhere in the house. I don't know, maybe small things can just be, become big things. Like it causes tension. And then you feel like, you know, there, there, there's not that warmth anymore. And you, maybe you don't talk as lovely to each other. Warm, you know, you kind of, and you can even start to pull back a little bit. And even in some marriages, maybe you feel, well, it was, it was better before. Like you get to that point. And we have, of course, divorces in this country, in the Western world. But you don't, you got to stay connected to your spouse. Yeah. It's the same thing in relationship with God. If you don't stay connected, you can start getting a distorted view of Jesus, yeah. of the church, of the truth. And you can start thinking, oh, it was better before. I'll go back to do not touch, do not handle, do not eat. Old Testament laws, regulations. It was better back then. I knew what, at least I knew what to do and what not to do. we got to stay connected spiritually. And, uh, you know, obviously this church... These false, you know, unnamed parties, they, they, they faced challenges in the church. You know, different false teachings that infiltrated the church. And we have that today, too. We have challenges. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, Beth and Sherry, welcome. And JJ, the community, sharing about the challenges. Yeah. And there's a lot of challenges. We know that. You know, there's a day to life. There's challenges that challenge our faith. Yeah. Okay? I hope you can relate to that. Um, I thought of three things that can challenge... The Christian faith today, there's a plethora, there's a lot of things. I think, uh, you know, obviously here, Paul is explicitly stating, well, do not follow these things, that's false. Today, we have false Christian doctrine, false Christian teaching. Uh, in Matthew seven fifteen, Jesus says very clearly, watch out for false prophets. So I thought about it, if Jesus said watch out, maybe that's implied that, well, you got to be careful. <laughs> If he tells you to watch out, because you may not see it unless you watch out right. for it. Yeah. You can read the pastoral letters, Timothy 1 and 2 and Titus, and see how many times Paul talks about watch out, be careful, yeah. command and teach his things, sound doctrine. Yeah. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, the Spirit clearly says, this is in 1 Timothy, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. Yeah. So it's clear. 
So my point, I think it's very easy. If I come to people, you know, or I say, it's not what I say, or that person says, or that person says, or that group, or no, no. what does the Bible say? You need to get a conviction of studying the Bible and figure out what the Bible says. You may need some help if you never read the Bible before, <laughs> like I did, and like many of us did, but you need to get into the Bible and see what the Bible says. I think another thing that is maybe not so prevalent in this area yet, but it's, you know, sociologists, people that study societies, you know, postmodernism. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely a lot in Europe. I live in Europe, I'm from Europe. Uh, New York, some of our maybe, uh, maybe, liberal, more liberal states in the US. But still, post, I think the teens, you guys are gonna face this. Okay, postmodernism, it's kind of confusing, but basically saying that morality and truth is relative. Yes. You do what you wanna do, that's great for you. I'm gonna do what I do, that's great for me. Because guess what, that's comfortable. I don't have to say that, well, we shouldn't do that. No, no, go ahead, just do it. Yeah. Pluralism, it doesn't matter if you follow this path or that path, that religion, that thing, we're all gonna end up in the same place. Yeah, come on. That's, that, that, you know, there's no conflict in that. Yeah. But they say you shouldn't, you shouldn't say that there's an absolute truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. Well, he didn't mean that, no, you shouldn't say that. There is no absolute truth. But guess what, when you say there is no absolute truth, what is that? That's an absolute statement. Yeah. Everybody believes in absolute truth. It's just yeah. what, it's what you believe. Postmodernism, it's coming our way. And I think what also can be challenging is you know, the truth is not always comfortable. Yeah. You know, <laughs> being married is so explosive, you know. Uh, <laughs> I have this like huge, uh, well, not huge, I thought it was such a great spiritual insight. And uh, Jeff was preaching, and I was thinking about he was preaching, and I was like, yeah, I get it now. I get how you're going to be happy always, and always be content and joyful, and you should need this and this and this and this. My wife just said, well, you remember in the last six months when you weren't that? I was like, oh. <laughs> it just exposed me. I've gone through some times, and, you know, marriage is exposing. The truth, that was my point. I was, little, I was distracted by my own, you know, convicted by my sin. Uh, the point, the truth is not always comfortable, but it's still the truth. It's still the truth. That's not a postmodern. You don't want to deal with that. It's still the truth. I think another thing that I've heard a lot, especially when I worked as a campus minister, because when you're in campus, whoo, freedom. Time for the parents, I want to do whatever I want to do. You know, that means partying and exploring different things. That's what people do in college, okay? They don't go to the library and read books. I'll tell you that, because I, mean, I, I did that. And there were not many people in the library reading books, okay? They were definitely not in the library. So, but the library is an awesome place. I love the library. I just have one of my favorite places in the whole world is my library. It's just free books, free magazines, peace, quiet. Whew! I miss it so much. I do go to one time, I go with my daughter in time time, she loves it too. A nice library, this is really off, but it's Slover in Norfolk. If you haven't been to Slover Library, you gotta go to Slover, okay? It's just amazing, you, you can pause it right now, I'll come back later. <laughs> one thing I heard in college, okay, is that Christianity limits your freedom, okay? And that it narrows your freedom. They can't do what you wanna do, it's just, it's a bunch of do's and don'ts. And all I can say, this passage alone, so that's not true. Because right. we have freedom. Don't get caught up in you can't do this, you can't, no, no, no. There's freedom. That's exactly what Paul is saying. Right. Christianity is not that. Yeah. 
I think especially if your teens are going to go on campus, you're going to hear that a lot. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's, yeah, you, you know, I admire you guys' faith and, you know, um, but go and challenge the people that think Christianity is just a bunch of limitations. No, it's not true. And Paul shows that very, very clearly. It does have some guidelines, though. Amen. But like it says in Deuteronomy, that is for our benefit. Amen. And one thing I think of often, I think it's so helpful, the Bible says you have self-discipline. Imagine if you do not have self-discipline. I mean, who, who wants that? How are you going to finish college? How are you going to get out of bed? You know, you need, life just requires discipline. And the things that the Bible has in place for us is for our benefit so that we may live a joyful life, an amazing life. It is amazing. I mean, that's why it's in there, in the Bible. Amen. So, stay connected to Jesus. In chapter 3, we're going to read for, uh, the first four verses here. Paul continues, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. Excuse me. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. So this is sort of like a turning point in the book of Colossians. The first two chapters is more on the teaching doctrinal side. The last two chapters are more on the practical side. Same word here, since, is therefore. It's the Greek word, uh, un, and it gets translated, therefore, consequently, accordingly, these things being so. So Paul, again, is using this bridge. Therefore, since we no longer have to be bound by these, you know, Old Testament rules and regulations and, you know, these different things, set your minds on Christ. Set your heart and minds on things above. He's saying here, we have been raised with Christ, so set your hearts on things above. This word here, heart, can also be translated... Uh, to strive, to seek, to crave, to aim, or to demand. So it's a very strong uh, word. They're supposed to crave basically what Jesus came for, like crave things above. He also says, you know, since we died with Christ, we're not to set our minds on earthly things, but on things above. That is his rationale. You've been raised. You've, you've been raised to put your things on minds above. You've been you've dead to old things. Don't put your things on earthly things. Amen? Yeah. So, the Christian mind should be consumed with spiritual things. Yeah. Things that are above. And we all know that that is super easy. Because it's all around us. It's on the commercials. It's in our jobs, our schools. You know, everything we hear is just spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. Earthly things, heavenly things. You know, seek, serve, and you know, I'm kind of being sarcastic. You know, like it's, yeah. there's so many challenges yeah. uh, that that pushes us the other way toward earthly things. And I have to ask, ask myself the question: You know, is my heart set on things above, like eternal things, things that really last? And I kind of was like a little, you know, there are some moments where you maybe you can relate to this, maybe not, but you feel like, wow. I mean, life is quick. You know, I'm not as strong as I used to be, or, you know, like Thomas. 
you know, I don't, uh, my body hurts, you know, and, and then it's going to be over. And then you have like this little glimpse of what, what then? But that's not very often. Most of the time you get up, you know, you do your thing, go to work, and you know, your kids, and you know, life. That's what kind of we mostly think about. But Paul's saying, like, no, you got you to you raise your eyes, you got to raise your minds, you got to raise your hearts on things that are above. And uh, these distractions that can kill our faith, they can destroy our faith. I really appreciate, again, uh, Beth and JJ sharing so vulnerably. Um, and it was fun as I was, I was preparing this lesson, you know, to, to, to have some time with, you know, to focus on this lesson. Of course, maybe not ironically, but there's just distractions, distractions of life. Mm-hmm. A son was sick, has this thing that I always say wrong, croup or croup. There you go. First time I said it right. Yes. Um, but his voice is like, usually when he, when he screams like, he has, a, he has like this manly voice, you know, but he, 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 like, oh, little baby boy. He was sick. Uh, we couldn't stay at the place that we usually stay at because we're doing some renovations. Thanksgiving break, time with family and friends. I'm like, I'm going to go to Starbucks. I never go to Starbucks. You know, if you love Starbucks, go ahead, go to Starbucks. I don't really know you should go to Starbucks. Went to Starbucks, you know, I had a gift card, it was my birthday, they gave me, you know, a free drink, and I went for the venti or whatever, she said, you get the big one, I said the grande venti, I was going to mix them up, it cost six dollars by the way, but it was free, I was like, woo, six dollars, but I went to Starbucks just to kind of get some time, and guess what, they messed up my drink, it never really came, I had to go back, and it was like, they put four pumps of this thing, and I was like, this is not coffee, this is like, I don't know, a sugary flavor, Java, Java, Venti, whatever. Uh, and just the music was too loud, there's a bunch of people in and out, and I just, and Aaron's like, why don't you come back to the house, you know, and just we can have it in the morning together. Long story short, I went to just have time to do this, and it never really happened. And that's just kind of a you know, glimpse of life sometimes, right? And if you have young kids, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't, I, it seems like nonstop to me. Uh, if you don't have young kids, I don't know what it is then. I guess I've, it's non-stop, and that's what's very, okay, so it's, it's, it's just something. If you're in school, I remember when I was in college, it's just, it's just paper, and then this paper's done, there's another assignment, and then if you have work, you have deadlines, and then you come home, you're supposed to give to your spouse, and I mean, that's just life, right? It could be, it could be, it could be draining sometimes, and maybe there's health on top of that, maybe there's financial issues, maybe the car breaks down, or... You don't have the car you really want, and you think about that a lot. I don't know if you like me in that area. I don't know, uh, but it could be a lot of different things that just distract you. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. And I think I heard one person say this. He said you have to create room for God in your life. Yeah. You just have to figure it out. There's not a quick solution to that. You got to figure out. I got to figure out. And I know. Is not always easy. Yeah. When you wake up and you try to be quiet to get some time, just connect with God and you hear, Daddy, Daddy, you know, she has this thing to wake up right when I wake up and I try to get up early before her. I know it's not easy. But Paul said, make sure you don't lose connection with the head because you can really get caught off guard in your faith. Do not lose connection. And I thought, you know, uh, if you feel like Man, I'm so connected with Jesus. I'm just like, I'm walking on the water. <laughs> Amen. That's awesome. Keep it up. If you're on the other end of the, you know, I'm drowning. I'm like, the water's coming in. I'm, 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 I just barely came to church. 
look for somebody that you feel like, man, this person, they, they seem like, like, how do you do it? And I thought about this, that'd be really bad. I thought about this while like, when was the last time I said to my wife, okay, honey, I'll take you care, just go out and yeah. have some time with the Lord, you know? And she's like, oh, no, no, you need to go and get some time with God. I'll take the kids and the Benjamin class. I'll figure it out. I mean, you got to do what, do, what do what you need to create room for God in your life. Yeah. What I've learned in my Christian walk is if I don't start my day with Jesus in the morning to connect, it usually doesn't happen that day. Because yeah. Yeah. once the day starts, it's boom, 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 and 11 o'clock, maybe it works for you. I'm dead tired, and I don't feel like... I don't feel like open my Bible and just, you know, take out my journal and just getting into the Bible at that time. I just feel drained. Yeah. Not every day, but some days, you know. Um, but that helps me. Mm-hmm. Early morning, before everything starts, before work, before just time with God, connecting with God. And Paul goes on, in, you know, in this, in this word that we just read, he kind of reminds me, you've been raised. Christ is in you. I think we also be reminded but yes, Christ is in us. Right. We've already been raised with Christ. Yeah. You died your old safe, our old, um, old path, our old life. And, uh, you know, I, I think we all want to enjoy, right, our Christian walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like a rhetorical question. Of course, if you want to enjoy it. We want it to be fun and there's this complete joy that Jesus said we should have. We want that. And if we've been given this supernatural life, right, we, we've been raised in Christ. But I think if your lenses is not focused on what's above and beyond, then it's, it's easy to, co- to kind of, ah, oh, this, this is not that fun. When you put your hands on the plow that Jesus talks about and you look back at the old life and you look through those lenses, then it may, just, it may not be like what it is meant to be. Because yeah. it's meant to be awesome. Amazingly awesome. And I think, again, you know, in our marriage, marriage analogy, sorry, you know, married. Um, but if you, if you, once you're married, you're together. It's, you know, it's sealed, it's documented, it's, it's the law says you're married. Same with you when you're a Christian. You have a, you know, binding agreement, it's a spiritual agreement that you know, you're a Christian now. But just because you're married, just because you're Christian doesn't mean like, well, it's going to be all great. You got to invest into it. You got to seek. You got to put your mind on things above. You got to invest into your marriage. When you do that, it becomes greater. It's like, you know, you think that, well, maybe the honeymoon was the greatest or the early year. No, no, it gets even sweeter. I mean, it's like, it gets deeper. The love gets deeper. I think it's the same way in a walk with God. It's like, it starts as it's exciting and you go through challenges with Jesus, but it gets deeper and stronger and more amazing. You invest into that relationship. And the, you know, last thing in verse 4, Paul says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You know, this idea of glory. I usually wake up thinking about heaven. But it's true. It's there. It's reality. Whether we feel like it or not. And when Jesus comes back, we're going to appear with him in glory. And I'm not sure, you know, what season of life you find yourself in. What do you feel like, man? It, it's already glorious. Or maybe it's, it's challenging to be a Christian. But the battle that Paul calls a beautiful battle is ends in glory for you. And now there are some times when I get a glimpse of, I think, eternity. Glimpse, okay. Um, it may be if I listen to like a 
you know, like uh, movie soundtrack music, Hans Zimmer and that, those sort of things, or uh, Dire Straits, I like them too. But when you hear like really beautiful music and you can't really explain that to anybody. Or we went out to you know, this place called Lebanon, Virginia last weekend. It's way out in Southwest Virginia. I saw, but I haven't seen the stars like that. And you know, I came in last time. There's just, there's nothing out there. And you see the stars. Or, you know, like uh, nature shows, you know, Netflix, all different things. And I saw this <clears throat> one show about the Kalahari Desert in Africa. And uh, you just see all the animals and you may think this, you know, I'm just saying, well, it helps me sometimes think about returning. Like rhinos, okay? They found the rhinos at night. They come out and kind of socialize and different mothers and they're just kind of, you know, saying hi and just like, I mean, who knows? Like, there's so many things. Like, and they said, you know, the Pacific Ocean, we don't know what's at the bottom because you've never been that deep. Yeah. It's almost as deep as Mount Everest is high. Wow. Yeah. Like, no one knows the creatures. Like, nobody. Yeah. We've never been that deep. No. We don't know what type of species are there. In the Amazon, we don't know all the species. And this is like, that's, that's what God has created. And think about maybe what the thing that you feel like, man, this is the most awesome thing about my life. Maybe it's your kids or your marriage or like a special moment or a special memory you have. Like, this is so amazing. Yeah. Like, it's so glorious. If God can create that here, like imagine what he has in store for us. Yeah. And I know I want to make sure that, I mean, I want, to th- I want to put my mind on that. I want to think about that. Because I think it's a, it's a, a positive circle. You stay connected to Jesus. Yeah. Right. You put your mind on him. Yeah. And you get more inspiration to stay connected to Jesus. Yeah. And that's my challenge or, you know, inspiration for all of us is to make sure you stay connected to Jesus. Whatever it takes for you to create room for Him, focus on what's eternal and allow that to propel you to give you future more and more energy to stay more and more connected to Jesus. And people, when they see you going through life like everybody else going through life, but they see your joy, yeah. your peace, your compassion, your contentment, your love, they're going to be like, wow. And they're going to want it, and that's how you're going to change the world. Amen.